The following presentation is brought to you by the Realm Network. are not done either and uh i did uh an interview with angelina love and her roots were like just absolutely perfect and she just looked like god i was just like and then she was like oh it's bright blonde wednesday and i was like it's bright shit wednesday on my end people don't understand like what it what it is to be a girl and all of the things that we have to do and spend money on the amounts of maintenance and time no, it, 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 you were saying today, yeah. like, oh, I don't look good. And then you show up all hot and sexy. So that's because I have my beanie on covering my you hair. You look absolutely beautiful. And I just love any opportunity that <laughs> I can get to shower another woman with just praise and excitement. And I'm so proud. And, you know, I remember when we did our first interview and everything was going along. Yeah. And then the shit storm hit and that's we right. had talked the whole time during the pandemic. And it was just like, it was really hard for a lot of people. And are yeah. you still in the same area? Yeah, I'm still in the same area. God. Um, you know, things were very hard for everybody, like you said. But I still feel like I was somehow blessed. Oh, you were. I was able to at least keep my life pretty much the same way it was. I just didn't work for a long time, which was really hard. Um, so you didn't move. Are you in the same place? I am. Yes. Okay. That's a blessing. Cause I yeah. know that's no joke. You live in a pretty yeah. nice place. Yeah. So I, I do feel grateful that I was able to maintain my life somehow. I feel like mentally it was more difficult, but then again, everybody's going through something mentally. So yeah, but you were in the hardest place of all to go through anything. Like Los Angeles was just—I just saw so many of my friends leaving and moving. And, yeah, and you know, for people that are like, "Oh, I'll just pivot and I'll just..." Well, I'm sorry, but everybody in Los Angeles can't become a real estate agent or realtor. <laughs> and you know, OnlyFans is just—you know—that's pretty saturated these days. <laughs> it's just like everybody's got like so many things that that they were doing and yeah. it's like it's oversaturated with everything like mm-hmm. I was just like wow but I saw you you held your own and did good and I'm proud yeah. of you and you were great so uh thank you so much and it's always amazing to talk to you too um I had the opportunity to visit you during the pandemic in Nashville so we did see each other and well, yeah, weird uh, night, but it was it was great, and you looked so yeah. hot. And I had so many people commenting on your photo, like, "Who's oh that? God. Who's that?" Yeah, we, yeah. we went to a really nice restaurant, and I just keep thinking about the food at that restaurant. I loved it so much. It was it was really 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 good, and it was always great to see you. Now I kept track of everything that you were doing during the pandemic, and it still is going. So you had um you were doing a lot of signed photos where do people find those because they are absolutely beautiful yeah i have a website uh and where you can purchase autographed photos um it's myra diaz gomez my name m-a-y-r-a-d-i-a-s-g-o-m-e-s at bigcartel.com 
And there's and then, a variety of photos there that you can choose from. Gorgeous, gorgeous stuff. All hand signed by you, not the yeah. copy and paste gimmick. I know you sent out a lot of great stuff. And you know, if you are a if you're into supporting, you know, music or independent artists or independent wrestlers or uh, backstage interviewers or commentators, you know, this is a really great, healthy way to do that because, you know, you get something great in the mail. If it gets there, God, the freaking mail with my gimmicks <laughs> trying to sign and sell everything and get it off. Um, I mean, you it, do so much too. You what now? You do so much too. Well, the, the, the mail has been funky, you know, during all this time, especially Texas. So that's a really great way to support. And then, you know, it helps you. It blesses our lives. But you get something really cool in the mail from, like, a hot chick. So I just say go check out her website. Support. You've got photos from, like, what, 10 20 30 bucks. It's not like it's crazy price. It's there. like 10 to $15, actually. Yeah. Yeah, go get go get one, you you all. You know you know her, you love her, go support. So when I met you, you were what was your technical title with NWA? I was working as a valet. Okay, so valet. But you yeah. were doing interviewing too, I thought. Oh uh, no, not in the beginning. The first oh. of power, I was just working as a manager. But I joined uh, NWA Power in December and everything stopped in March. So I had that like really short run as a manager and you know nobody knew what was going on for the longest time you know for everybody um and now that we're back i'm actually back as an interviewer and as a host which is really really cool so let's talk about that what's the name of the segment it's called uh so it's a separate show and it airs um every three weeks in the place of uh, nwa power and it's called nwa power surge just NWA Power Surge. Yeah, just Power Surge. Oh, just Power Surge. Okay. Yeah. And where where did this come from? Who conceived it? What's it all about? Let's talk about it. Um, so I'm hosting it with Joe Galley, which people already know from the NWA. Um, he's great. He's really awesome. Yeah, and it's really cool to work with him too. Um, and yeah, so it's basically a show in which we go through some of the storylines and we have, um, guests come in the show and we talk a little bit about what's going on in their lives. Um, and also we recap some of the most important things that are going on on power. Nice. So that's yeah, every, really cool. it, it airs every three weeks or you, you film it every three weeks. It airs every three weeks. How many have you done so far? Three. Oh, wow. really? Yeah. Oh, this is like, so when did you start? Like three months ago then or two months ago? Oh, no. Like we've, we've shot about um, 11 weeks of TV already and we did it in uh, three days. How stressful, how busy <laughs> is that? Yeah, it's, it's long hours, but it's worth it. And everybody's like working so hard to put together the best possible wrestling product it's just like really amazing to be a part of really walk us through a day so like where do you have to if you're allowed to if not like where do you go to film that oh uh, we film it in atlanta uh, okay. at georgia public broadcasting okay so you fly in the night before yeah yeah walk us through i want to hear about your day because i don't think people understand like how treacherous it really is well, for me, because I'm working as an interviewer now, I start I start much earlier than I did um, when I was working as a manager because I was in the live shows. 
Um, so I pretty much start working as soon as I get in the studio. So for me specifically, I start getting ready, start getting my makeup done, my hair done about um, 8 a.m. So that's I'm waking up around like 6 a.m. every day. Oh. Um, and then my call time is 10 a.m. Uh, I mean, uh, maybe 10 or 11 a.m. actually. Okay. Yeah. So pretty much I start uh, working on my interviews. Uh, I spend half of the day doing the interviews and then the show goes live. And so we shoot several episodes, one after the other. Uh, so I think we were shooting about uh, four episodes a day. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> what cool. is, what's an episode like of what they're having you do? Of what I'm doing? You mean the power surge? Yeah. So the power surge, um, we shoot after power. So... I'm shooting that at the end of the day, like nighttime already. Um, it's a very long day. I can imagine. Uh, yeah. Um, and pretty much uh, it's me and Joe at the commentary table and we're having guests at the table. How does that make you feel? I'm looking at questions that people are asking. How does that make you feel being able to be alongside Joe? When, I mean, how long have you been in this business? Well, not very long at all, as you yeah. know. Um, I joined wrestling exactly two years ago because I actually saw my post uh, yesterday of the day I moved to Vegas to go to wrestling school. And that was exactly two years ago. So I'm very new to everything. Uh, but I also feel like it became a part of my entire life, like really, really quickly. Um, exactly. But did you watch a lot of wrestling beforehand? Because... I mean, having to be at that table with Joe, like that would scare the shit out of me. Yeah, I would be intimidated. Yeah, I wouldn't act like very, I were. It's very intimidating for sure. Um, I feel like I I managed to stay calm and do it well just because I've, I've had a lot of years of experience um, as a journalist and I've had to interview people that would make anyone completely starstruck. Mm -hmm. um, and so I've had a lot of experience interviewing people because I started working as a journalist when I was 19, as you know, and I worked for tons of magazines and uh, TV and print uh, newspapers. Um, so that part of it is a part of me, I feel like is a skill that I have. Um, the challenging part is you know, you have to be aware of everything that's going on within the NWA universe, every storyline. Um, you have to be aware of everyone's characters and what's going on and the matches and the title changes, everything else, especially when you're shooting uh, many episodes in one day, it's very easy to get lost to what's going on. So it's actually like a harder job than it seems. Yeah, no, and I, it, agree. I agree. It is intimidating, but... You know, when I was there, I just thought this is such an amazing opportunity. Like, all you can do is go for it. Uh, so just go for it, you know, and that's what I had to do. When I was doing it, the backstage interviews, again, same kind of thing where it got really hectic with not only remembering the storyline because it changed all the time, but... Exactly. The stats, like there were so many statistics and I was not 
brought up in wrestling as far as I don't remember that match. I don't remember that tag. I don't remember that win. I don't remember that finish. I don't remember that upset or that surprise. Mm -hmm. And when you don't have any of that in your repertoire or in your wheelhouse, it was really difficult because I didn't even know how to say tag team champion, blah, blah, blah. Like I didn't even know what that stuff was. So that was a challenge for me. One thing they did do is give me um, not a script, but like an outline of everything. Again, it would change like literally 50 seconds, 60 seconds before the red light went on and we were live. Paper exactly. Terrifying. Like, cause I was just like, I'm going to look like a fucking, oops, excuse me. I can't swear. Um, <laughs> I'm going to look like an idiot and, and I'm going to take the heat for it. And I did. They're all like, she's just some dumb bitch, which was really hard because I don't think even they who had the history and watched wrestling, it's kind of like when we do cover shows and, <laughs> Everybody's singing along to all these songs, these hits that you know and love, but they really don't know the words to it. They know bits and parts, but if it was up to them to get up on stage and sing them word for word and execute it perfectly, I don't think a lot of people could. A lot of the armchair warriors who are out there, you know, throwing shade Mm -hmm. on things. Um, They did give an outline and it did help me somewhat do they give you something like that are you flying solo or blind or um how does it work stage interviews there is somewhat of an outline but like you said uh things can change at any moment and you know you might think the storyline's going one way but then it's already been uh changed um so i think you have to always be aware and ask beforehand you know if this is still the right information uh but yeah you kind of have a an outline um I, f- I find that part a little easier than the part where you're actually at the commentary table and it's it's a one take kind of thing, you know, and you're leading the show and you're uh-huh. you're you're the narrative of the show and you, you really can't make a mistake um, and, and you're on the spot. And for that part, um, there isn't really much any of any script at all. It's pretty much like you'll be interviewing this person, this person and this person. And I have to come up with, you know, what would be good uh, within the storyline that's going on to progress the storyline too. So they don't have somebody helping you with that. That's up to you. Yeah, pretty much it was up to me. Oh, good Lord. Oh, I would fail profusely at that. Myra just, I would suck. (laughs) I've seen some of the interviews that you've done and I've just been like, maybe a little jealous, like, wow. Like how does, how do you, you're a journalist and then some of these huge stars that you've interviewed, who set that up? Like, how did you get that? Was that through the publication that you were writing for? Was it something? I mean, the, the music type interviews? Yeah. Well, I started working uh, as a journalist when I was 19 years old. And I started working for a, a newspaper in Brazil. And like my first job when I was 19 was as a music reporter. So my first interviews, yeah, they were all set up by the newspaper and they were bands uh, that were coming to Brazil pretty much. Um, mm. I stayed with them for several years and I became like a, I collaborated for music and cinema and from the newspaper because it was the largest newspaper in my city, Rio. Um, I had a lot of offers to work for different magazines, so I was always doing something different. And then around like 21, I had a literature show on MTV. So I had my own like uh, literature recommendation show. 
Um, and I just, I did a lot very, very young. Uh, but yeah, mo most of the interviews at that time were hooked up by whoever I was working for. But when I was 21, that's when I moved to Los Angeles and I was already working for all these publications. And it was a, it was more of like, okay, now I can be an international collaborator. I'm already here, you know, wow. of the events. I have a lot of contacts. And so sometimes I would set up the interviews or sometimes they would send me to an interview, but mostly like music stuff that I've done is just from like being in the rock scene and, you know, knowing people and, you know, I offered the stories to a lot of places too. That is so awesome. Like, obviously that has just played such a big part in your role and getting that today. And I just think it's so interesting. Um, I do believe in God and just that that the spirits guide you and give you like a collection of tools to be able to use. And I absolutely love that, that you're using them all because you're, so, I mean, you're gorgeous. And do you, do people ever give you crap about that? Like, do you ever feel, I never did. I know not that I'm like as hot as you, but I'm decent looking. Are you kidding? Um, you're hot as hell. So I, but I know I don't ever, I never really felt like, um, Like that was the only reason that I was there. I did feel that because I was, I was so wacky, you know, you're more glamorous and serious about you. You know, I'm just running around like an idiot half the time because <laughs> I'm just silly like that. But I didn't really feel, um, I don't know. I didn't feel any weirdness or any funk with my, my role. How are you? How do you feel? Do you feel respected? I, yeah, I definitely feel respected. And I was talking about this in another interview recently. Like, I've always felt uh, respected in my profession. Of course, like, I'm always going to run into people that are going to make assumptions and have some kind of judgment, like, oh, she must be there because of this and that, you know. <laughs> and that's always going to happen, uh, no matter what. But anybody that I work like uh personally with like i feel like i always have a really good uh, work relationship so i've always felt like respected in my work i think also because when you start talking to me you realize like oh i'm not some dumb blonde i actually have a brain <laughs> I, i i love talking about that as a woman i put up a post just because i was a little annoyed last night with cancel culture stuff and i get i get hurt um actually somebody said something to me a woman said, I really wish you wouldn't talk like that. Um, it's making me uncomfortable. And I was like, what the fuck? Really? All right. Lighten up, you know? And she just said, I guess I'm just too sensitive. And I was like, all right, well, I guess I can't even talk to a girl like that anymore. And then I started to think of, I saw, oh, something happened yesterday. And I started to write an article about it in my column in the Los Angeles Tribune, um, just about Oh, I know what it was. It was, um, and I'll get to what I'm trying to say, but I was in the grocery store and I needed a jar of capers and they were on the highest, like, no, you'd have to be a basketball player to get this jar down. There weren't any other capers anywhere. And I was hell bent on some chicken piccata and I'm like, I want those damn capers. Yeah. So I was looking around and sure enough, a black African-American, they, they say black. Can I say black anymore? I guess not. I'll get canceled out. But some black man that was like seven foot three, clearly on the like the Titans team or something comes strolling around. I was like, hello, sir. You are just exactly who I was looking for. <laughs> and I said, uh, I don't know how the hell I'm supposed to get my capers down. He was like, I got you. And he like reached out his big old arm and he got the thing. He just like blink and he like gave him to me and he goes, here you go, baby. And I just was so happy to get my capers that I was like, hey, thanks, you know. And then out of my left eye, 
here comes the death stare from some woman like, how dare you allow that man to call you baby? And I'm like, I don't really even like when guys call me baby, but in the context, it was like, he was just doing a nice deed and he was with his little girl and like went on his way. And yeah, this lady just like, Myra, she just like shamed me. Like I should have said something to him or stood up for my, and I was just like, what is up with like so many women? And I find myself sometimes like just at the snap of a fingers, the drop of a hat, I'm just ready to just like, don't you look at me like that. And it's just like, do we want every man to not look at us at all? Or so we're some crusty uterus or like, it, it bummed me out because I just think like more and more, all we ever hear about is guys disrespecting us or guys not right. There's a plenty of them that, that do respect us and do treat us right. So any chance that I get to talk to a hot chick and say, how are you being treated? And it's good. Mm-hmm. I want to highlight that, you know, right. I think it's more often than not that, that great things happen with guys and, and I think it has to do with how you hold your own. What do you think about that? Well, for the judgment part uh, that you were saying first, um, I think that's something in my life that I've learned and I try to do is I just look at people's opinions like, um, well, it's based on their experience. It's based on whatever they went through. So honestly, people's opinions, they don't really bother me. Like if somebody calls me out for uh, being okay with being called baby, I'm just going to be like, you know, she just called me out and laugh it off or whatever other reason. If somebody calls me baby, I'm just going to laugh it off and be like, hey, that, that guy felt like calling me baby, you know, and I don't get offended by things easily, which is also what I think you're mentioning in terms of cancel culture people get offended with things very easily and i think um people are just very triggered um and they are willing to just jump at anybody nowadays um so i just i try not to take anything personally and not really get involved uh but i understand how like you might want to get involved and answer somebody uh i didn't answer her i i just let it I let it go. I need to be more like you. But in that case, I, I, I didn't, it just got me thinking. And I went out to the parking lot as I'm sure you do many times and just pulled out my phone and started. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. Texting and writing. Like it just, it, it, I don't know. I just think so many things get canceled out. I think living in Los Angeles, as long as I did, you do not get as triggered because you see people walking down the street, buck ass naked. And it's like, whatever, you know, and then other places like where I am in Nashville, the Bible belt, People are just way more judgmental of everything. And right. it's, I, I told a friend of mine yesterday, I was, I'm getting so confused and suffocated by like what's going on in the world because I have my set of beliefs and my viewpoints and I usually stand my ground and I don't need to, pre- I don't need to convert you or change you. This is my mm-hmm. thoughts, not my experiences. Yeah. And and I am being like questioned. I question myself every day, like, should I do this or shouldn't it? Because of what I see in society. And it's like the thing that I find the most interesting is for the people that I know who are so hell bent on the right to choose. It's the right to choose. It's my body. It's my decision. If I want to do this, if I, okay, fair enough. You want the right to choose. And you don't like it when somebody tells you, uh, you couldn't have an abortion. Now, if you're in Alabama and you get raped, 
well, you got to have that kid because it's illegal to have an abortion. Mm-hmm. Not only do you have to have the kid, but that rapist, be it a pedophile, be it a molester, whatever the hell that person is, now has 50% custody rights to your child, which is just up. It's mind boggling. So yeah, I can hypocrisy there. No, it, no, so I can see why some people would say, especially in Alabama, and I'm not saying I'm this or that. I'm saying this is what's for some people. I can see why they would say you should have the right to choose. And they're very adamant about choice. Okay, I understand. But then on the flip side, I see the same people saying you're wrong or there's something wrong with you or you're bad if you don't get a vaccine when some people that I know would like the choice to either get it or not to get it. Like maybe they don't take any vaccines or maybe they don't put chemicals in their body or maybe for religious, who knows? They just want the right to choose or not to be told you can't fly without this or you can't attend this concert or game. And it's been messing with my mind just watching different people say different things and a lot of hypocrisy and a lot of contradictions. And it's making me question myself. And honestly, it's stressing me out. (laughs) I get it. And I think a lot of people will uh, relate to what you're saying. Yeah, I just, I don't know. There's just so much. And then I turned on the news and it was all George Floyd and I'm from Minneapolis and I've got a lot of friends affected by that. And then I've got a lot of friends that family that are on the police force and they've dedicated their entire life to protecting and serving. They're good people. Um, This is their only trick in the bag. You know, they went to school, they went to the academy and now they're either leaving to try to find something else after 27, 30 years, or they're going to just retire. And the thing that is the saddest that they've told me, Myra, is nothing that you would expect. One of the, the common things my friends and family who are on the police force in Minneapolis say, I'm leaving and I feel like I'm giving up. I feel like I'm abandoning ship. I feel like I'm letting down myself mm-hmm. because I'm because I'm, I'm going to get killed because I'm like white. Like that's just what it is. And that sort of stuff. It's not a matter of is it right or is it wrong? It's just people that you personally know. And I can just feel, you know, you're empathic. I can just feel the pressure on me. And I, I, what do you say to somebody like that? Who, you know, they could go be a realtor or they could go get a job where, but it's like their whole life. And as a little kid, all they ever wanted to do was be a, a police officer. And now it's just like not a really like desirable job. And I just wish that everything in the world would just settle down somehow and be good for people. Like, I just want everybody good. So I don't know if anything that's been happening stresses you out or not, or how do you deal with that? I was very stressed out by everything. Um, I would say in the first half of the quarantine, and I'm, like you said, in Los Angeles. So I firsthand lived a lot of these things. I'm right in Hollywood. Um, (sighs) So there were protests. Um, right by my door and you know you couldn't I, go anywhere could you I lived it really closely I'm like waking up I'm right in front of the 101 freeway so I'm seeing um, 50 cop cars driving by like all day and um, yeah I saw it all happening and in the beginning it stressed me out a lot and made me question a lot of things like you're saying and made me feel um, hopeless and other things about the world. Um, and I feel like I had 
um, a period of depression uh, too, and a lot of anxiety and uh, uncertainty. I saw that, and I remember when you said they let like they let me go, like they're they're not they're fold they're not folding, but they're just not going to do anything for a while. And I remember. I remember knowing in my gut that something really great was going to happen for you or that it would come back or like, yeah, just... I feel like everybody was in the spot, right? Like we still kind of don't know if some things in our lives are going to come back and, uh, it's stressful for everybody. So I was paying a lot of attention to the news girl. And then at some point I stopped completely and that's how I'm coping with it right now. I'm trying not to pay attention so that's much. What I was going to say. Like I was going to say, that's my, for people listening, like I was going to say, here's what Myra's doing. And this is what I'm doing. I'm just not watching that much of it. I can't. I just like, I have to concentrate on my internal world right now because the external world is completely fucked up. And if I sit in front of my TV and watch the news, I just freak out. So I just like, you know, try to start working on myself. Uh, I got sober at some point and quarantine. So I'm five months without drinking now. What? Yeah. I didn't even know you really drank. Were you a fish or did you just dabble in it? Well, I mean, um, I feel like I just was having a bad relationship with alcohol. I was just drinking a lot during quarantine. Uh, as I'm sure a lot of people have been. Exactly. But like as a coping mechanism, you know, so not mm-hmm. a healthy way. And um, Why me, did you stop? For me, the problem was I was having a lot of like anxiety and panic attacks and um they got like really bad and I looked for a doctor and the doctor said to me, you know, the first thing we have to do is we have to get you off of alcohol to see if, you know, it's related to alcohol. Um, and like that, I, I wanted so bad to not have panic attacks anymore that I said, okay, I'll stop drinking and see, you know, if this works. And I just feel like my mental health started improving uh, so much uh, by being sober and it continues to um every week and every month so yeah. i just how stopped did you, but how did you do it i interrupted you but i'm just fascinated by this like did you just say the decision i mean like i just like the panic attacks they are so scary to me and i really don't didn't want to have them again you know and i think that at the moment that i like searched for professional help i was really serious about it like i'll do anything to not feel like this so like what do i have to do and like i love partying i love drinking uh i always have uh but then again like i've drank since i was 14 years old so i've never had a life of not drinking before um and like yeah my mental health improved a lot you know because of not drinking so i'm sticking to it i'm i'm blown away like i'm always, i've never drank really like, yeah i know I did in college a little bit, so I don't know, and I haven't smoked. So when somebody says like I just quit something, I know how hard it is. Yeah. So I always wonder like you. So you went to the doctor, and he said this, and you just came home and like, did you do the one more gimmick drink, or did you just not ever have it again, or? Again. What'd you do? I stopped it. Wow, that girl. See, that's just, if some blonde little chick can do that, guys. Because I hear so many people saying I just can't or like me. when It's, it's time- very, very hard and it's hard all the time. So it's like a commitment. Uh, but I think that it's like because you're like sacrificing yourself, you know, you're like giving something away, 
you know, a lot of like good things start to happen to you too, like energetically or whatever you believe in, you, you know, you believe in God, you know, good things start to happen to you. Uh, once you make like a decision to change your life in a positive way and that requires so much sacrifice because you are sacrificing a huge part of your life wow. by not being in drinking environments anymore and, you know, not engaging with people the same way anymore and just having to experience everything uh, clear-minded. Like you said, you, you're, you don't really drink, but it's a completely different life when you're going through life drinking. I, yeah, I'm, like I said, I'm fascinated. I'm, I'm happy that you found something that has the, have the anxiety attack ceased or let, let up then I'm assuming they have. Yeah. Everything improved so much. Like I can't even tell you how much and it's, it's everything from like your depression to your anxiety to your relationships you know to dealing with people like controlling your re knowing how to control your reactions uh not reacting emotionally to things and being able to sit with a thought and like you really think about it before you say it to somebody or there's it, just so many things in like your physical health and um your hair your nail your your skin uh, your sleep quality. I mean, I can say so many things. Your self-esteem, you know, you start to feel more confident in yourself because you see that you can do something that you never thought you could do, you know, and you kind of start wondering like, what else can I do that I never thought that I could do? So I think it's just overall really awesome. When did you get the call? Well, I'm so happy. I, I, I don't ever really talk to people about that. Like I do get on my high horse about smoking sometimes just because, because I'm always the one sitting around in the fucking cancer ward or in hospice, like holding somebody's hand when they're like dying. And like, I, I, I tell people like quit fucking smoking because you, and they're like, Oh, I'm going to die of something. I, that I, I literally want to bitch slap or shove my hand up someone's ass that says that because when you're dying of cancer, I, I, I can't get the, the smell. It lives like in here in my nose of what it smells like when somebody is finally just ready to die. It's mm -hmm. the most awful smell ever. And I just don't want that for people. So I do get mad about people buying something that it says right on the box. It's going to probably kill you. I'm like, that's probably not a good idea. There's other things to spend your money on. I get mad. I don't say a lot of stuff about drinking, but... I just see so much in the environment that we're at all the time. You know, like we play bars, we play nightclubs, we play casinos, we play big venues where everybody's just, and I just have never really seen, um, I've never seen anything good come out of somebody being drunk. I've usually seen some really mean words said that will never be able to be unspoken. And I see it at the edge of the stage all the time. And I see a lot of women or men crying and, you know, it is kind of a truth serum for some people. And I, like I said, I just don't see a lot of good shit going down. I've seen people being um, raped or molested. I've stepped in, um, felt up and just completely violated where I've jumped off the edge of the stage. And like, I, I remember this girl was so wasted, like granted she should not have been that wasted, but like this guy was just like putting his hands down her shirt and feeling her boobs and he had his hand down her pants. And I was just like, she was so out of it on whatever X or some sort of drug. And I literally got down and I'm like, dude, back the fuck away from this woman. She doesn't even, she's not even like 
cognizance of what's she's not conscious. She's pretty, pretty out of it. And it, it just that it hurts me to see that. And the other thing is, is I don't think people remember that alcohol is a depressant. Yeah, it's going to bring you down. Not that yeah. I encourage, you know, go coke out or something like that. But like alcohol brings people in a worse state than they were before they picked up the bottle. And I just want people to be happy. Like, I love hearing that you're feeling good. I didn't even know you were that you drank or you did all that, you know? Yeah. Well, I mean, I don't really judge whether somebody drinks or not. Like you said, yeah. their choice. And I do think there are people that can have healthy relationships with alcohol. You know, some people, they work all weekend and the weekend they have one glass of wine or they have wine when they go out with their friends and they're fine with it. You know, so they they have an okay relationship with alcohol and it's okay for them to drink. And then there are lots of people like these types of people that you're describing that, you know, it is a depressant for them and it worsens anything that is already bad in their lives when they look for alcohol to make it better you know so i also don't want to be like a person that is judging of anybody who drinks but if you drink and you feel like your relationship with alcohol is not healthy then i think it's a good idea uh to examine that and see if you can change it you know and you can possibly change your life and do and things nobody nobody things. needs to know about it like I didn't know you even had anything cooking and you just were like, oh, I've been sober for five, six months. Like I I've, didn't even know. I've been pretty open about it, actually. And I think it's good to be open about it. I'm not like I'm not ashamed of it. Like and I love talking about the subject and I think so many people are going through it and they just don't talk about it. So I think it's kind of cool. Like if you're just like, yeah, this is the situation and make yourself vulnerable. But like by making yourself vulnerable, you're also making yourself super strong. So if you can like influence somebody to, you know, realize they have a problem and open up, whatever, I think that's a great thing. I think it's always good when people influence people in a positive way. Like I see people influencing negatively and, and I even try to, to do a reality check on myself. Like, am I being too negative on my posts or am I complaining too much or am I influencing other people to complain or, you know, I try to fake it till I make it and be positive about things, even if I don't feel like it. The other thing I was going to say before we get off this topic is in all of my dealings and all of the things that I've done, I have yet to find, and I'm going to be perfectly honest with you. I've yet to find somebody with a healthy relationship with alcohol. I found a lot of people who appear to, but when when the covers come down and the curtains, you know, been revealed, person's revealed, curtain comes down, something like that. Um, I find out like that, that, that they didn't, you know, so I, I don't know a lot of people that don't really have something cooking with it. And that's why I guess I'm always just like, I always want to help. I always want people to feel good or mm-hmm. if they have an addictive personality and they feel like they have to be doing something or indulging, like, you know, find something like water or the gym or because the gym is the greatest thing for me to meet my yeah, friends. Exercise is the best for sure. Oh, yeah. And it can get addicting and people can get psycho with it. And I've got some friends that are, but it, I'll take that over, you know, not having a kidney or a liver. I, I look at them and I'm like, all right, you just replaced your addiction for this. But then I let them be psycho with, oh, I got to get a protein shake in 30 minutes. I'm like, okay. All right. Whatever. Like do your thing. But at least, you know, they're not drinking themselves to death. Yeah. So I remember during the pandemic, like you were, because we, we talk and you're just like, I'd check in, say, how are you doing? And 
you were doing your gimmicks and signing things and you're like doing really well. And then you didn't know what was going on with NWA. And then when did you kind of know, did you know before you got the call? Did you get a call? Did you get an email? Like, how did it go down? Like, so not only a valet is great, but like what you're doing right now is like really wow factor as well. Like, did you know it was coming? Could you feel it? Like, how did that happen? Well, I knew that um, I was still with the company because uh, Billy Corgan uh, uh, told me I was still with them. Uh, I didn't know exactly what I was going to do. I was I was booked for the show like a month and a half in advance, but I had no idea that I was going to be hosting anything. Um, and I just uh, kind of find out found out when I was there. <laughs> yeah. That's total classic wrestling style, isn't it? Just like, here you go. I'm like, okay. <laughs> That's how things happen in wrestling for those of you that don't know. What did they tell you? I've heard on so many different interviews now that I've done men, women, ladies, whatever, everything in between midgets, small people, little people. There's something to be said about being ready. And I didn't know about the being ready until I was really in, um, till I was in wrestling because in music, like there's no being ready. Like you don't just happen to show up at a show and like, they're like, Oh, do you want to sit in on this? It just doesn't work like that. Wrestling. There are so many opportunities. If you are ready, your makeup's done, you look pretty, you're ready to go. You've got the clothes with you. There's just so many opportunities where either somebody else doesn't show or they're drunk or they're high or they're disabled or they can't do anything that night. And it's like, we need somebody, we need a body and opportunities are made. How important has being ready been to you in your career i think i'm always ready for anything (laughs) i agree yeah i mean like i'm always ready Uh, i'm always waiting for an opportunity i always have my hair done and my makeup done and my clothes ready you know you're so cute if you want to book me for something cool i'll be there i'll be there for a goldilocks music video or whatever god (laughs) yeah right wasn't that insane? God, was that he'd want to be there for some churches? <laughs> That's so funny. And I just I, I love that. I love that you are. And I love that about wrestling. A lot of other people don't have that. And a lot of other people in other professions don't get the dream and they don't get where they want to go because they're so busy sabotaging themselves saying, well, I need to lose some weight for so many times when I offer somebody a photo shoot or say, Hey, Oh yeah, I'd love to, but I've got to lose weight. They're like, okay, well yeah. like set the fucking shoot for a month from now and let's go. But it's like, they don't really want to do the work that goes into exactly. it. They don't really want to be ready. And I'm like, if somebody told me that like, with the exception of a show the other day that it was like four hours from when they told me, and I just knew like that with, eh, with people, the band and like getting there and getting ready and getting packed. Like I, I, we couldn't have plausibly done it for the money that they wanted. If they would have said, you want to be someplace in four hours for 10 grand? Yeah, I would have I would have been like, all right, here I go. Like stopping at a Walmart on the way and buying some makeup or whatever <laughs> I needed to do. But I, I, I do think that wrestling has really taught me the art of, of being ready where other businesses don't have that because- yeah. They went to school and they have a piece of paper and, you know, the, the boss and the HR dictate that. But in our world, it's sort of like just gypsy, kamikaze, run in there, be ready to go and, and do yeah. it. You'll get the call and you better have your everything ready, your gear and your body better be looking good. And otherwise, if it's not, then you're missing out on an opportunity. So... I think everybody should live like that. Be ready so you don't have to get ready. Right. 
What is the best thing? And I'll leave you on this. Respect your time because we started late due to technical. What's the best thing that you've learned in wrestling that everybody could use as advice that, that anyone could apply to? What lesson? We did the being ready one. What else? Give me one last one. Oh, wow. Okay. Let me think about it for a second. Think about it for a second. Um, oh, I just found my shoes underneath the green screen. Thank God. I, um, in the sense of, you know, uh, getting ready, like you're saying, um, you don't start out ready. Um, everybody starts somewhere. Um, you know, sometimes you might feel like, oh my God, I'm not ready for this role or I don't know enough to be here. Um, if somebody puts you there, you're ready. Um, and I think Ooh, that's just like be open to the opportunity, be open to the learning experience and, you know, learn from everything that you can learn from everyone around you. Pay attention to what everyone's doing, all the wrestlers and everybody else that works backstage and just watch, um, do your best. And if you are given the opportunity, go for it because you're never really ready. You know, you, you can think you're ready. Uh, but you're only going to be ready like after so much experience and wrestling is one of those things where you have to put hours of work in until you really, really understand wrestling, you know, and the more work you do, the more you'll understand, the better you'll be at your job, but don't stop yourself because you think you're not ready. If somebody tells you that you're ready, face your fear and go for it, I guess, you know, that's, that's some of the best advice that I've ever heard. That is really, really good. I'm going to make sure I put that in the, um, in the promo. That was great. This You're such a wise bird. <laughs> a wise little kid. I love our <laughs> conversations. What's that? I love our conversations. You're brilliant. It's Even though it's to talk to a smart woman. Are you on the top? Are you in the toilet? <laughs> no girl. Looks like, <laughs> looks like you're in the bathroom. Like, what? like all right, that chick's cool. We're doing yeah. an interview on the toilet. <laughs> Oh, no, it's fine. I was just like, that's cool. It's something I would do. No, you're just brilliant. And I'm just so happy for you. And like, I just get so excited when I see blessings and good things coming to people, especially when they're good people. I guess I can't say that if they're assholes. I'm like, eh, why are they getting that? But I was just so excited to see that. And and just on the tail end of what you were saying, I just got done with some filming that I was, I didn't doubt it at all during the pandemic. Um, I just knew like it was going to happen and it did. Thank God. Like two years later, cause we were or two and a half years later, you know, just, you got to just keep on with the, you don't want to be stupid or delusional, but you know, I would get a call like every three months from a producer or something to kind of like say, we're still right you know, thinking about it. And you know, you, you know, when something's real or not. And then even if it is real, you take that and you put it over here and you go work on something else. You don't just sit there pining away for another human or a partner or a friend or, or a, an opportunity. Sometimes I do that with friends that drop me. I think, what did I do? And I, I wish I could, and then it's let it go. Like they obviously they got shit going on, let it go. But I never lost sight of it. And I found too much of your advice that you just gave. The first scene they put me in, was the hardest scene in the entire episode. I had no idea. I'm so happy for you. Oh, girl, I can't wait for you to see it. It's oh so my, that's so cool. It's so sketch. Like you're gonna just be like, you did. It's the grossest stuff ever. Right up my alley. It's helping people. 
but it's really raw. And the first scene they put me in is just, I guess they thought I was ready, but what they said at the end of it, like, you weren't really ready for that scene. (laughs) No shit. Like, you weren't oh ready God, for that. I'm so curious. And yeah. we put you in the hardest scene ever. And and I really just remember like looking at what I was doing, going, I don't know what the fuck I'm doing. I have no and I'm thinking to myself, I'm panicking right now, but I'm gonna smile and I'm gonna I'm fucking panicking because because I don't know. I have fucking no idea what they put me in on something as an expert that I'm not an expert at. And I was <laughs> assuming somebody off camera would be telling me. And then you're going to add this together with this. And then you're going to do, and I'm just like, and they're like, roll off this. So here's me with a fucking whiteboard with all of these tallies. And they're like, add it up. And I'm like, like, math is not my strong point. And they're like, come on, let's go. And I'm just like, "Uh, excuse me, do you have a calculator? I would really like, like I'm supposed to be a math expert that uh, I will never be. So, you know, I think people can think that you are ready, but my take home from that spin on your advice is just fake it until you make it, make make a joke out of it. Don't take yourself too seriously. And people might never even notice. Well, they notice. (laughs) (laughs) I look like such an idiot, but it's funny. So instead of like writing like technical math terms down on the whiteboard. I was just like writing frown. (laughs) Oh my God. I was writing like stick people that were really sad because they didn't know math. So hopefully they can use it, but oh God, the rest of it was downhill. I can't wait to know more about this. It's (laughs) hilarious. It's really, 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 really funny stuff. So, and it's going to be, I'm sure I'll catch a ton of heat for it. But I'm like ready. Like I'm, you know, if you're not catching you love the heat, I do. You know, that's you are a natural born heel. That is what I was going to say. I didn't realize from wrestling until later, like the boos and the hisses. It's kind of fun. Like <laughs> once you're past it and you're like, yeah, that's my job is to be a heel. I'm providing entertainment because people need somebody to hate. There you go. Exactly. We all have a purpose. So tell everybody <laughs> where to find you again, my dear. Oh, you can find me on Instagram or Twitter, Myra Diaz Gomez, M-A-Y-R-A-D-I-A-S-G-O-M-E-S, because my name's Hart, so if I don't spell it, you don't get it right. Um, and you can buy my autographed photos on MyraDiazGomez.BigCartel.com. And you can watch us every Tuesday on Fight TV, uh, NWA Power. Uh, you just have to download the Fight app and subscribe to NWA for $5 a month. That's it. Yes. That that's great value for some quality entertainment. Exactly. Everybody, this is Goldie's Closet episode. Uh, shit. What is it? Is it 112? <laughs> God. I think it's 112. Wow. I think it's 112. I think it's 112. Well, congratulations on episode 112. Okay. Oh, I'm That's a I'm, big deal. I'm getting there. <laughs> I'm getting there. <laughs> want to thank everybody at the realm network as always thank you for subscribing to russo's brand thank you to all of our patrons out there who give a shit uh, every week and you listen to this we appreciate you we love you and thank you very much to our special so guest miss may valentine we're so excited about her new opportunity and we clap at the end without the chicken fat fat Yay! <laughs> thank you so much always a pleasure 
What's up, ladies and gentlemen? Just doing the daily check-ins on Patreon. Wanted to wish you the greatest start to your week. Come on over to Patreon. We're doing a lot of customized love. We just want to make sure everybody's getting the attention that they need and deserve, and that's merited. But we still want to come by on regular social media platforms and say thank you so much for being here, both for me and for the band. Love you, and as always, stay golden.